Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with Life Coach Cities Chavez. It is Wednesday. It's Neville Day. Hey, happy Neville Day, everybody. It's Wednesday, April the 24th, 2019, and it is currently 4 p.m. in New York. It's 1 p.m. in Los Angeles. It's uh, 9 p.m. in London and Sydney, Australia. Good morning. It's about 6 a.m. there. But wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And I'm happy that it's Neville Day. Are you happy that it's Neville Day, Cindy? Of course I'm happy that of it's Neville Day. Of course you are. Yeah. <laughs> Neville Day is always a happy day, right? It's a bright spot. Right. It's a bright spot in the week because Neville. I mean, how, how could you not be excited about Neville? That's what I wonder. <laughs> I'm, sometimes I'm a little intimidated by Neville. Well, yeah, I'm, there is that. Yeah, <laughs> yes. but it's still it's still good because... Even with chapters that feel like, oh, my goodness, where is he going with this? You know, by the time we read through it and pick it all apart and think about it for a while, I always come away with something that's really good. So, and by the way, we're getting a bunch of birthday wishes for you. So happy birthday oh, for your Monday birthday. You. Yeah, I, I thought it was so funny. My birthday was Monday, the 22nd, and today we're on Chapter 22. That's always that's a right. special yep. for me. I always like 22. So thank you so much. That's so nice. And you posted that you had a great day on Monday with all the birthday wishes. So they all kind of accumulated to produce a good day for you. That's good. I did. I had all these birthday wishes, and my friends threw me a birthday party. And then um, this morning I went to get the mail, and there was a box on my doorstep. And I was Ooh. like, oh, what? Did I order something? I, don't know <laughs> I was looking at the company, and I was like, I, I have no idea what this is. And I opened it up, and it was a – a gift from my kids. And so that was super nice. And uh, fabulous. Yeah, it's been a really fabulous week so far. Excellent. Well, that's the kind of week we should have every week, but I mean, at least you get to have it during your birthday week. So that's good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been good. I mean, you know, life is full of ups and downs. Even this week I had a couple moments, uh, but overall, you know, it's, it's just all good. I was reading some Byron Katie a little while ago and, uh, that whole concept, you know, the whole very Zen concept that everything is the way it, it is. Um, mm -hmm. There aren't any, this should be that way. Yes. Um, right. And she talks about, of course, she's the Zen master. So mm -hmm. she talks about someone asking her, do you have preferences? And she says, yes, I prefer what is. <laughs> what? I prefer the sun in the morning and the moon at night because that's, what is mm -hmm. and if I'm talking to you, I prefer talking to you until I'm talking to someone else. And that, you know, it's like, wow, just mind blown. To that's, that's, that. Because that's right there. It goes there even when things are what we would say, not good or mm -hmm. uncomfortable or whatever, you know? Well, that's the art. That, that, that's the skill right. right there is learning to do exactly that. Cause anybody can feel good when you're feeling good. Right. <laughs> right. And that's, that's the idea is that the you know, when we, when we think that things should be other than they are, mm -hmm. then we are fighting against reality. Yeah. So then we have a belief that is in opposition to reality. That's now, I don't know what Neville being. would say about any of this. I think you know, Neville might have a different view, but uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. And every time I read these kind of ideas, um, I always am left with a wider and deeper sense of peace than I had before. So I can say that <laughs> but well, I, I, that way with Neville too. So I, I kind of suspect with Neville, what Neville would say is sleep on it for three straight days and it'll show up. So. <laughs> <laughs> or you could be Byron Katie and just realize whatever's here now is, is what? Yeah. Right. This is true. <laughs> Either way, you're going to feel better. Absolutely. And that's it. That's the skill right there. It's a skill that we're all learning. We're all practicing. We're all getting better at. Um, at least I hope we are all. I mean, I, I kind of trust that our listening audience is getting better at it because we are quite a group of deliberate creators that uh, follow the show, which is really cool. I love that. I love the fact that we have all these deliberate creators following this show. Right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. So anyway, we're on Chapter 22. We are. Of your faith is your fortune. And, and we've had some interesting chapters, including last week with Daniel and the Lions Den. We, we've done Christmas. We've done Easter. We've done all kinds <laughs> of stuff. But today we're going fishing. Right. <laughs> I was, when I saw the chapter title, I thought, well, this might be fun. So I wanted to ask you if you had any fishing stories, because I do. 
uh, go right ahead because, to be honest, I'm not a fisherman. So, yeah. Well, I'm not a fisherwoman, but my my uncle and my father were both fishermen. Not professionally, but they fished a lot. And my uncle right. had a my uncle had a fishing boat. Um, and when I was about 11 years old, we went on a fishing trip. And we were out on the boat for a couple of days. And it was a nice boat. It had a flying bridge and everything. It was, Ooh. you know, a nice boat. So yeah. it was the only uh, – some of my older cousins who are maybe uh, oldish teenagers, you know, 17 or so, I was the the youngest one on the boat. And I'd never been fishing before. And we went fishing. And everyone was talking about, whoa, getting their sea legs. And, you know, we'd get off the boat. We'd dock and get off the boat and go, like, to a restaurant and eat or whatever come back to the boat and every time everybody would be complaining about, Oh, you know, I, I feel so like I'm wobbly and all this. And I never noticed anything. So <laughs> I was like, what are they talking about? And so we got home from the fishing trip in the morning and we were home. And about eight hours after we had been home, I walked into the bathroom and turned on the water faucet. And as soon as the water came out, it felt like the whole room was just talking. <laughs> like the whole room was, and all of a sudden, right? I had the aha moment. It's like, oh, right. this is what I was like, oh my goodness. And I was thinking about that today coming into this podcast. And I thought I was, you know, Neville talks about believing because of what you're seeing right? or what you're experiencing. And that's exactly what, what was happening, right? Like my world was topsy-turvy all of a sudden. I felt like I yeah. felt like I was back on the boat. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the room wasn't spinning at all. The room was calm and level and flat and not moving. But to me, it felt like it was moving. And so I had to suspend <laughs> the disbelief, right? I had to say, oh, wait, the room is not moving. This is the sea legs that, that they were talking about. So mm-hmm. I was thinking about that from a law of attractive perspective, thinking that sometimes that's exactly what we have to do is we have yeah. to use is the room really moving or is it not am i grounded am i still able to stand you know can i stand in in what i know to be true and not what my body is sensing you know mm-hmm. or my eyes are seeing or whatever i thought that's really true because sometimes sometimes the evidence is pretty convincing oh yeah in fact you don't <laughs> you don't have to be a fisherman to have experienced that either because anyone who's ever had an inner ear infection where oh. It just throws you out of balance from that. I mean, that that's enough right there. I had, I'm not sure I had an infection. I might have. I don't really know. I I actually managed to uh, use my focus to eliminate it, which was pretty cool. Oh, um, yeah. Yes. It took me a, a, a couple hours, but I was able to basically get my sea legs. And uh, when when I first ran into it, I literally almost ran into the wall. <laughs> I had lost my balance so badly. I was used. Yeah. I was I was grabbing furniture in order to hold myself up because my orientation was so badly out of whack. Yeah. I mean, everything was spinning and so forth. And I'm grabbing onto the side of the doorway and Louise says, are you okay? I said, no, I'm not okay at all. The, the room yeah. is spinning and I haven't been, I haven't had a drop to drink, you know, <laughs> but uh, I was able to focus on, you know, I, this is just, I don't know if it's, it would, it would be classified as an infection or not, but I'm not going to think about it that way. I'm just going to think about how beautiful it is and how wonderful it is to just feel good when I stand up and, I feel like the ground is under my feet and to feel like the world is the way it's supposed to be and in the, the correct orientation and so forth. And I ended up going back to bed for a bit in order to focus on that. Cause it's kind of hard to focus on that when the world is spinning, so, <laughs> but I did. And I got up about an hour later and I was fine. So. Wow. Well, I know people talk about experiencing vertigo and I've only experienced it once. Mm. Um, we were out of town and getting ready to pack up and come back. And I was sitting on the hotel room bed and Scott had gone down to do something, check out or whatever. And I was sitting there and I just got up to get the suitcase and whoa, it was like really dizzy. And I thought I just stood up too fast, but it just kept coming. And, you know, the thing was, is it was really mild. Like I wasn't even holding on to things. I could just sense it. Yeah. And it only lasted for an hour, but I thought about people who deal with constant like, oh, vertigo, and I thought, oh, no, I have a new compassion for that because, yes. yeah, it was really weird. So uh, that's very interesting, though, that you had that experience and were able to. Well, plus I had an inner ear infection when I was a very young child. I had one at age, I don't know, five or six or something like that. And we were actually visiting a family friend who was an MD, so he ended up treating me and giving me the antibiotic and all that. 
Um, and I remember that, well, mostly I remember that as being an earache, but I also remember the vertigo too. I had both. Dizziness, so yeah. Not, not a pleasant yeah. thing, especially when you're a five or six year old and you don't really understand what's going on. Yeah, no, that's not fun. <laughs> no, not much fun that's at all. That's not fun. Well, now if when the next time any of us go fishing, we can think about this. <laughs> well, by the way, Jeffrey wanted to point out to us he's a Pisces, so he thought that was pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> the water sign. All right, so are we ready to dive in? I think we are. All right. So Neville's going to start right off with three verses from the Christian Bible. So we're going to read those. He says, they went forth and entered into a ship, and that night they caught nothing. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fishes. And the third verse says, it's recorded that the disciples fished all night and caught nothing. Then Jesus appeared upon the scene and told them to cast their nets again, but this time to cast them on the right side. Peter obeyed the voice of Jesus and cast his nets once more into the waters, where but a moment before the water was completely empty of fish. The nets almost broke with the number of the resulting catch. I think this is interesting to remember because, you know, sometimes when I coach someone or sometimes when I'm coaching myself (laughs) after Mm -hmm. something when things seem really dark when things things seem really difficult really hard like at that point where you feel like things are never going to change where I've just had enough I am so sick of this uh, oftentimes they change and Mm -hmm. it's amazing how quickly things can change and that's the thing I always want to remember and I think about these verses where they fished all night and the water, it says was completely empty of fish. Mm -hmm. And now suddenly their nets are going to break because there's so many fish, you know, Mm -hmm. that happened quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. It reminds me too of a story um, that Mike Dooley told in one of his notes from the universe in which he describes a a scene where, of course, you know, Mike does like one and two sentence little things to send out by email. Right. So they're usually pretty short. This one was fairly lengthy four or five, six sentences, something like that. And the gist of it was um, you are standing at the door, banging on the door, demanding that they open the door because you know that everything you want is on the other side of that door. And all of the people on the unseen, the people who are your spirit guides, the people who are on your side are, are standing on the other side in tears because you ordered them never to open the door for you because you wanted to find out for yourself that the door was already unlocked. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember that one, but I knew you were going to, I said, he's going to say, why don't, why don't, they're all crying. Why don't they open the door? <laughs> oh, wow. 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 So Neville says, man fishing all through the night of human ignorance attempts to realize his desires through effort and struggle only to find in the end that his search is fruitless. When man discovers his awareness of being to be Jesus Christ, he will obey its voice and let it direct his fishing. He will cast his hook on the right side. He will apply the law in the right manner and will seek in consciousness for the thing desired. Finding it there, he will know that it will be multiplied in the world of form. That's really interesting because we've brought in another item for the decoder ring because now Christ or Christ Jesus or God, he treats them fairly equivalently, is now awareness. It's not just consciousness. It's not just imagination. It's awareness. Yeah, his awareness of being. Yeah. Yeah. When man discovers his awareness of being to be Christ Jesus, he will obey its voice Mm -hmm. and let it direct his fishing. And that's kind of a new thought, I think, also, that when we discover our awareness of being or our identity, who we are in consciousness, that it will come with the ability to instruct us. Like, I don't know that we've seen that before. With that, yeah, that, that, is, that is new for Neville, I think. I think you're right. Yeah. So he says, those who have had the pleasure of fishing will know what a thrill it is to feel the fish upon the hook. The bite of the fish is followed by the play of the fish. This play, in turn, is followed by the landing of the fish. Something similar takes place in the consciousness of man as he fishes for the manifestations of life. Mm -hmm. 
Fisherman, this is this is really good so far, right? Because we've mm. we've talked about this in a lot of with a lot of different metaphors, um, with planting the seeds, and then the weight, the weight as we see just dirt, 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 and finally a sprout. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. I feel like he's going there, the bite of the fish, and then the play of the fish. You know, mm-hmm. it's like there's that time in between uh, the landing of the fish. He says, fishermen know that if they wish to catch big fish. They must fish in deep waters. If you would catch a large measure of fish, you must leave behind you the shallow waters with its many reefs and barriers and launch out into the deep blue waters where the big ones play. To catch the large manifestations of life, you must enter into deeper and freer states of consciousness. Only in these depths do the big expressions of life live. That's interesting. Yeah. What, what does that bring up for you when you think about, is he talking about when he says deeper and freer states of consciousness? Is that like deep meditation? Is that a trance state? Uh, is that knowing your own consciousness in a bigger way? What is that? I'm actually hoping he's going to explain it more, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. But, but, but I will say one other thing, and that is there was an interesting word substitution. I think you probably read it accurately because you're reading it off of the, the website that's got mm-hmm. um, the text on. I'm reading it out of the book. The, the section began with fishermen know that if they wish to catch big fish, they must dip fish in deep waters. If you would catch a large measure of fish. But in the book it says if you would right. catch a large measure of, of life. Right. It says life here. Did I say fish? Oh, you did say fish. Oh, okay. <laughs> it says fishermen know that if they wish, wish to catch big fish, it's a little bit of a tongue twister. Yes, it is. <laughs> fish in deep waters. If you would catch a large measure of life. Okay. You must leave behind you the shallow waters with its many reefs and barriers and launch out into the deep blue waters where the big ones play. Okay. So, so that was just more of a slip of the tongue than anything else. And that's fine. To catch... Um, the large manifestations of life, he says it again, mm-hmm. uh, you must enter into deeper and freer states of consciousness. Right. Okay. Okay. So he says, here's a simple formula for successful fishing. Mm. <laughs> I feel like it's a trap. <laughs> a trap or, or at least an explanation because, I mean, that was quite a lead in he has there. To catch the larger, large manifestations of life, you must enter into deeper and freer states of consciousness. And like you said, what exactly does that mean? I'm hoping that's what this this trap is. It's actually teaching us what that means. Well, I'm hoping too, but but just with his lead in, here's a simple formula, and my <laughs> my brain is going, uh huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's Neville. Okay. It's easy for you, Neville. <laughs> he says, first decide what it is you want to express or possess. This is essential. You must definitely know what you want of life before you can fish for it. After your decision is made, turn from the world of sense, remove your attention from the problem, and place it on just being by repeating quietly but with feeling, I am. Now, I want to just say one thing here. When he talks about the world of sense, he's not saying, he's not using the word sense in the way we would say, like, we should have good sense. Like common sense. He's talking about physical senses, I think. I believe he's talking about sensation, right? right? So turn away from what we talked about a little while ago, of what we're seeing, the evidence, um, you know, what what our bank account looks like, (laughs) what our love life looks like. He's saying to, to drop all of that. Turn away from that, from those evidences that you are seeing. Remove your attention from the problem and place it on just being. And he says the way to do that, is by repeating quietly, but with feeling, I am. That's a good reminder, by the way, because we've talked about him saying, yes, I am is where it all starts. But I'll be perfectly honest, lately I've forgotten that. I've forgotten that as an initial step. And so occasionally I would find myself kind of tripping up like, well, I can't seem to get to that feeling place, forgetting that, well, if I start with I am, it'll help me get there. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. I've been doing this lately as a meditation um, especially like falling asleep meditation, mm. just repeating I am. And every time I do it, I'm reminded that so often 
we add things to that. You know, we make these affirmations or these mantras where oh, yes. we, we add, I am something. Mm-hmm. And Neville always brings us back to just the I am part because yes. that leaves us open to be creators of everything and not just limiting ourselves to some little label that we put on ourselves. You right. know, even if it seems like it would be the most wonderful thing in the world, right? I am happily married or I am, you know, I don't know, the Powerball winner or something. I am <laughs> beyond measure, right? We, we still are limiting ourselves to one thing. And so Neville says, I am. And he says here, repeat it quietly and with feeling. And that to me might be the difficult part. Yes. Because it's like, you know how people will say, um, well, I want to have a job that pays, you know, X amount of dollars, but I don't know what that feels like. Right. Or I want to be in a happy relationship, but I, I never have been. And I don't know what that feels like. Well, when you go back to I am, I think the repetition and the awareness that we want to have some feeling there, that may be the, the key because part of us knows I am. Yes. Right. That eternal part of us, the creator part of us does know what this feels like. So we have to trust that and let the feeling come and not try to chase the feeling down or think we can imagine it, but just allow it to find us. I well, think that's probably the best. I think you're right. And ultimately, I think what this really means is that that feeling of I am is the same as the feeling of I just won the lottery or I got the job or I got this or I got whatever it was that I I thought I didn't know that we, we know that feeling because we know what I am feels like. Right. Right. And that's everything. Yes. Like it encompasses everything. So yes. as your attention is removed from the world round about you and placed upon the I am so that you are lost in the feeling of simply being, you will find yourself slipping the anchor that tied you to the shallows of your problem and effortlessly you will find yourself moving out into the deep. I love this part because it it keeps us from having to, from believing that we have to chase it down. It's like you will find yourself slipping the anchor that tied you to the shallows, and, and effortlessly you will find yourself moving out into the deep. So it doesn't take efforting here. Right. Oh, yeah. And right. by the way, I want, I want to uh, add something here. I know I'm kind of interrupting, but uh, we're getting a lot of nice comments. People really liking it. People talking about, you know, making, <laughs> Jeffrey was making fun about the, um, the, the fish stuff and, and making fun lines out of that. But then Kevin posted something. I wanted to make sure I shared it. He says, thank you, Walt and Cindy, for turning me on to Neville, was having a real hard time with anger and hate issues, wanting revenge and hurt on people who hurt me. Started reading Neville, found this, and it's helping greatly. I repeat it every night. Thanks again. Oh, that's a wonderful thing to hear. Isn't that great? Yeah. Thank you for thank you for letting us know. That's yeah. like amazing. That yeah. that just that just reinforces, wow, we really are doing the right thing here. We're talking about the right stuff. That's great. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Thank you for just thank you and thank you and thank you for sharing that. Because yes. you know, there's this there's this kind of rule that you hear in, in any situations where someone will share something, and that is that for every one message you get, you know, of feedback, for every letter you get or whatever email we get, we know there are a bunch of people who are having the same experience mm-hmm. but don't share for whatever reason, no judgment about it. No, but, no. So when someone says that to us, that, that this has impacted their life, um, that tells us that it's impacting not just your life, but other people's lives too. And so it's wonderful uh, to hear that and to know that. Thank you. Oh, no. And, and thank oh, you. No. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Uh Oh, Walt's saying, Oh no, I'm not sure. Oh what's no. I didn't turn the record on. <laughs> oh, no. Should we, should we, should we uh, Byron Katie this? Well, <laughs> say it's we, exactly how it should be. Fortunately, we are live streaming this to Facebook. So what I will do afterward is I will go through and I will extract from Facebook what we are live streaming to it. So it isn't completely lost, but this is just an example of how I'm learning Zoom all over again. (laughs) It's a good program. It's great. But boy, I I think I have to make a little checklist for myself. So that's what I'm going to do. Checklists are wonderful. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
All right. Well, it's it's all it's all okay. It's still working out. We still have a recording, and that's the main thing because I want to make sure our podcast listeners actually hear this. This is good stuff. You know, I don't want to lose any of this. Right. All right. So let's let's continue on here. We see that we will effortlessly find ourselves moving out into the deep. He says the sensation. Now I like this part because remember we were told to not pay attention to the world of sense. So all these things that are bothering you, that are worrying you, that are causing you to feel stress and fear, um, which we know fear and stress are basically the same thing. Stress is a nicer word. I'm stressed out instead of, oh, my gosh, I'm so afraid. Right. Mm. Uh, But all of those things, as we let them go and we just focus on being with the mantra of I am that effortlessly, if we keep it up, we will soon find ourselves moving into the deeper places of consciousness, he says. And then he says the sensation which accompanies this act. So all of those fears and worries and evidences are going to be replaced by another sensation. We let those go. And now one of expansion. You will feel yourself rise and expand as though you were actually growing. Do not be afraid of this floating, growing experience, for you're not going to die to anything but your limitations. You know, it's funny to read that because when I was a child, I remember having that experience. Really? I was about, I want to say nine or 10 years old. I still remember it. I was sitting, I was very little. I'm still little, but you know, I was only nine or 10. So I was really little and I was sitting up on the top of the, of the sofa instead of on the seat where you're supposed to sit. (laughs) I was like sitting up on the top, the TV was on and I wasn't really paying much attention to it. And I don't know what I was thinking about, but all of a sudden I had the sensation that I was growing and expanding and that I was kind of looking down on everything. And that was the first time I've experienced it since in a meditation, but that was the first time I ever experienced it. And I remember at the time that I stayed with it for a while because it was really cool. And then I sort of got afraid. <laughs> I stopped it. I kind of made myself, I shook myself out of it. And it's yeah. funny here that he says, do not be afraid of this mm. floating, growing experience for you're not going to die to anything but your limitations. Oh, I, can everyone say like, yes, to <laughs> dying to our limitations? Because I'm ready for that. <laughs> That's cool, though, that you had that experience. That's a great experience to have as a 9- or 10-year-old. Well, it it's funny because at the time I wasn't sure what was happening. It wasn't mm-hmm. until decades and decades later that I was actually being led in a meditation. And the meditation, and some of you, are, you, won't, you may have done a meditation like this where you picture yourself rising up and like like – the room you're in, you're above it. And then you can see your whole street and then your whole town and then the whole country and then the whole world. And, you know, and having that experience of being led through that meditation, all of a sudden I recognized, Oh, I felt this before. This was Mm. the thing that happened to me when I was nine or 10 and I was just hanging out, you know, just (laughs) probably in the natural state, right. Of consciously being able to create. I don't think I anything because I didn't know (laughs) this it was a really cool experience all right so limitations will die as you move away from them for they live only in your consciousness in this deep state or in this deep or expanded consciousness you will feel yourself to be a mighty pulsating power as deep and as rhythmical as the ocean This expanded feeling is the signal that you are now in the deep blue waters where the big fish swim. Suppose the fish you decided to catch were health and freedom. You begin to fish in this formless pulsating depth of yourself for these qualities or states of consciousness by feeling, I am healthy, I am free. You continue claiming and feeling yourself to be healthy and free until the conviction that you are so possesses you. As the conviction is born within you, so that all doubts pass away, and you know and feel 
that you are free from the limitations of the past. You will know that you have hooked these fish. (laughs) The joy which courses through your entire being on feeling that you are that which you desired to be is equal to the thrill of the fisherman as he hooks his fish. Now comes the play of the fish. Ah. Mm -hmm. This is accomplished by returning to the world of the senses. (laughs) (laughs) I knew there was a catch. Yeah, right. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) As you open your eyes on the world round about you, the conviction and the consciousness that you are healthy and free should be so established within you that your whole being thrills in anticipation. Then, as you walk through the necessary interval of time that it will take the things felt to embody themselves, you will feel a secret thrill in knowing that in a little while, that which no man sees, but that which you feel and know that you are, will be landed. In a moment when you think not, While you faithfully walk in this consciousness, you will begin to express and possess that which you are conscious of being and possessing, experiencing with the fisherman the joy of landing the big one. Now go and fish for the manifestations of life by casting your nets in the right side. (laughs) You know, I had an experience that is this exact um, thing, and I, I never really thought about it until now, when about, I guess it was about 30 years ago. Um, about 35 years ago, I had had a couple of sinus infections Mm. over the course of, you know, a couple of years. And, you know, it's the kind that where if you lightly tap on your forehead, it's just excruciatingly painful. Every little tap and the doctor will like tap, tap, ah, just to see. Mm. And, and of course I took antibiotics for them both times, but I really started not wanting to take antibiotics anytime I got sick. Um, and so, A few years later, I got a sinus infection, a little, I should say I got a cold, but it started turning into something worse. And I knew it was headed for the sinus infection. And the last time I had had one, the doctor said to me, oh, I said, well, I've been doing all these other things, you know, to to help it. And he said, no. Now, of course, this was his opinion, right? Mm -hmm. But at the time, he said to me, oh, no, a sinus infection like this does not go away by itself. Like, you have to you have to treat this um, it, because it could be dangerous, and it's not just going to go away with, with whatever you're doing. So, okay, so I took the antibiotics, and it went away. And then several years later, I get this sinus infection. But what happened in those several years is that I started understanding that I did have some power over my experience, right? Mm. And so I got a cold, and I was – trying to help it and it kept getting worse and it got worse. And then suddenly I realized, Oh no. And it was a sinus infection and it was probably the worst one I'd ever had. And I kept Mm. hearing that doctor say, these don't go away by themselves. So in a meditative state and while doing whatever I was doing in consciousness to heal myself of this thing, I experienced what Neville's talking about here about suddenly getting out into that deep water. And I was absolutely convinced that I was going to be, that it was going to be healed, that I, that it was going to go away, that I was going to be well without doing anything else. I was so convinced. And once I wasn't meditating anymore, still the conviction was so strong that I was healed, that it was a done deal. And the symptoms did not go away. The symptoms, this was the play of the fish, right? It <laughs> was the fish okay. on the line. Because I was so convinced and the symptoms didn't go away, but it didn't matter. I, I was just, I, I was convinced. And two days later, I woke up and I was completely well. Mm. Now, I, I, sometimes I get nervous saying things like this because if you're sick and it's bad, I'm not telling you to not get treatment or to oh, not we're definitely telling you get listen to your doctor's advice we're, we're I, not we're not here to give medical advice that's, that's for sure yeah. um, but I'm, i can only tell you that this was my experience so you know the conviction was there mm-hmm. and i i was convinced and i had friends and people tell me you need to go to the doctor mm-hmm. and i just said I, I really don't 
Now, you know, if it would, if it would have continued to get worse, there may have been a point where I would have, but I was so convinced. I don't think anybody could have talked me out of it. And, you know, 48 hours later, I was completely well. So when I was reading through this, I was like, oh my goodness, I've experienced this, this before, that conviction, that knowing, you know, there was no doubt in my mind. I had not one doubt that. And that's cool. Cause that's it right there. It's the conviction. Yeah. That's what makes all the difference in the world. When you really deeply believe it, that makes it true. That's how it works. That's how we manifest things. Yep. Um, it's also why, unless you have that deep, deep, deep conviction, you're a hundred percent certain you do make sure you follow the doctor's orders because that's what you do. You follow the doctor's orders. Um, but that doesn't mean that just because you follow doctor's orders doesn't mean you can't do this also. Right. I was going to say that exact thing. And, and even, even though you may want to double up and, and follow the doctor's orders and still have the conviction. Yeah. I, I just remember it's like, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when I read this, as you open your eyes on the world around you, the conviction and the consciousness that you are healthy <laughs> should be so established within you that your whole being thrills in anticipation. And that's what it was. I was like, yes, this thing is going <laughs> away. I'm, 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 it's a done deal. And uh, that was, you know, hey, that was 30 years ago. I can't tell you that I've had an experience like that, exactly like that again. So, um, the fun part is when they do come, though, and I don't mean that we want to get sick. Don't get me wrong about that, because that's not what I mean at all. I mean, <laughs> when we have opportunities where we practice and we get a result like that from right. something like this, that's cool. That's where it's fun, because we say, wow, I just got one more opportunity to show myself, to prove to myself, yeah, this stuff really works. I mean, it's me. It's it's up to me. I get to control what happens to my experience through my mind. And, uh, you know, I Honestly, the way I look at things like doctors and, you know, prescription drugs and treatments and all that is they're kind of like the training wheels. You know, we, we're still learning how to do all this stuff. And that's to keep me from falling off my bicycle and hitting the floor, you know, hitting the ground. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, look, modern medicine has done a lot of miraculous things. And, you know, miracles happen every day. And mm -hmm. some of it is right in the same vein as modern medicine. And this is true. So, you know, it, it happens, but yeah, but it is a cool story anyway. And it's a very cool experience to have no matter what it's about, whether it's about health or relationship or money or stress or fear or whatever, to have that conviction and know that the thing is coming. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Truly great. I can see my video went away. So I'm gonna have to bring my video back here, but while I'm doing that, oh, here we go. Hello? Yep. Went away All and right, came back. So, so we. <laughs> So while, while, while I was doing that, there was something I wanted to mention. That yeah. is that when when we're learning this stuff, when we're applying this stuff, when we're becoming better at doing and and creating our our learning experiences where where things go right and we're able to shift our mind and gain that level of of strong belief, that is actually dovetailing with medicine. That's the point I wanted to make. Yes. Yes. Medicine is now treated as, as being a separate thing from what we're doing here, but the two are starting to come together. It's a long-term process. It's not something that's going to happen in the next year or two, but over time, there is a dovetailing occurring between traditional Western medicine and the more esoteric, spiritual, deliberate creator stuff. Some people would say Eastern medicine. Um, there's a dovetailing of that coming together, and, and there, the overlaps are becoming more and more evident to people on both sides. I mean, it's just all starting to come together. So there's really actually no reason not to do both at this point. I mean, right. when you're getting doctor's help, there's absolutely no reason not to also be doing the spiritual side. There's every keep, reason to do it. I keep thinking of people like Joe Dispenza, who's a doctor, and, yep. uh, and Lynn McTaggart, and people who are seeing um, healings happen, physical healings. Oh yeah. Illnesses happen in their, you know, in their work because of the ideas that you're talking about right now of being mm -hmm. open to, to all of it. To Which not, is so cool. <laughs> to not judge it. Yeah. You know, like, this one's wrong over here. And that's the thing is, you know, Neville says here, um, as the conviction is born within you, so that all doubts pass away and you know and feel that you're free from the limitations of the past. And that's what it was with me. You know, I had used medicine and healed, been healed of a sinus infection in the past. And that was how you did it. But that was also the limitation that it was my time to transcend that in this one experience. Right. It's like I'm not saying am I saying I will never take um, an antibiotic again? I'm not saying that. Um, mm -hmm. 
Uh, now, I haven't taken one since 1983, but, you know, hey, every day is a new day. Mm-hmm. I don't want to ever be sick again. No. I can say that, that that's what will happen. And that's what I work towards, right? That's why we, we use these kind of methods so that mm-hmm. we can have some kind of power in creating whatever we're experiencing. And, you know, it's like you said, we're all on training wheels at some yeah. point, right? Exactly. We are all aspirants. None of us are exemplars. Uh, and, <laughs> and it's okay. Right? Yeah. It's, it's okay. Yeah, it is okay. It's all good. Um, I wanted to make sure I got the messages in, and then I figured, why don't we go on to uh, Chapter 23, if you're up for that. Let's do it. I'll okay. Well, the messages are pretty straightforward. First of all, if you're not yet a subscriber to the podcast, what are you waiting for? You can tell. This is all good stuff. You get your daily dose of or your weekly dose of Neville on Wednesdays, plus we do uh, all the other topics that we do the other four days of the week. So five days a week, you're getting your daily dose of happy. And it's really simple to do. In most cases, we've got the links in the description where you are listening and or watching this particular podcast. But just in case, just in case if you don't uh, see a link, just go to the homepage, LOAToday.net. And right there, you will actually see right at the top of the page, a great big link for you to subscribe. And then once you subscribe, actually just walk through the steps. It just walks you right through it. And when you're subscribed, then simple next step, share, share the fact that you're subscribing, share the fact that you're listening, share the fact that you're enjoying the show so that, so that other people can get it too. So thank you for subscribing and sharing. And I'll turn it back over to Cindy while I try to get my video fixed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are now going to uh, forge ahead into chapter 23. And again, for new listeners, Neville Goddard often uses verses from the Christian Bible, and he has a way of explaining what he thinks it all means. And it's always very esoteric. It's very metaphorical. He does not believe the Bible to be a historical record at all, Mm. a psychological drama. And so when he talks about God, the Son, Christ, he says those things are actually our imagination or our consciousness. And so we're going to see that here. He says the chapter title is be ears that hear. And he starts with a verse from the Christian Bible. It says, let these sayings sink down into your ears for the son of man shall be delivered into the hands of men. Be not as those who have eyes that not see that see not and ears that hear not. Let these revelations sink deep into your ears for after the sun and in parentheses, he says idea. So we can add that one to the list is conceived man with his false values, reason (laughs) (laughs) will attempt to explain the why and wherefore of the sun's expression. And in so doing will rend him to pieces. Um, This is kind of interesting because it reminds me of times when we have an idea and then other people try to reason us out of it, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, after men have agreed that a certain thing is humanly impossible, this is the doctor, right, telling me, oh, you will not get That's well. That's right. You will not get well. doesn't yep. happen. After men have agreed that a certain thing is humanly impossible and therefore cannot be done, let someone accomplish the impossible thing. The wise ones who said it could not be done will begin to tell you why and how it happened. After they are all through tearing the seamless robe, the cause of manifestation, apart, they will be as far from the truth as they were when they proclaimed it impossible. As long as man looks for the cause of expression in places other than the expressor, he looks in vain. Okay, so we got more Neville Dakota ring stuff going on there. Right, the seamless robe, he says, the cause of manifestation. But I understand this. So, So when I would say to someone, well... I didn't take the antibiotic and my sinus infection is, I'm well, it's completely Mm -hmm. gone. I have no symptoms. I feel Mm -hmm. great. What would be some of the things people would say? Well, it probably wasn't really a sinus infection. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Or, well, I don't know. Right. But there will be this tearing apart, tearing apart of and telling me how it actually happened. Mm-hmm. Neville says they're as far from the truth as they were when they proclaimed it impossible. Why? Because they were looking for a cause of expression in places other than me, mm-hmm. in places other than the expressor. Yeah. 
<laughs> which is often what happens because we're like, oh, I can't take credit for that. I mean, something else had to be, you know, in play there. Well, plus I also liked a uh, few sentences back where, I mean, it made me laugh and I liked it. It also made me laugh kind of wryly in a wry way. But he says, um, he described man with his false values in parentheses reason. In other words, reason being the false values. Right. And the, I, I, at first glance, I laughed at that because I was always a man of reason before I discovered law of attraction. Everything, I reasoned everything out. Everything was reason and logic to me. And that's the way I understood the world. And then I discovered that that world, as I was constructing, it didn't actually work very well, which was, and I experienced that in terms of everything going wrong in my life. So I said, well, clearly there's something missing here. I don't know what. And then I discovered law of attraction and you know, the story goes on from there. But my point is the reason you gave uh, some examples of reason, people giving reasons like, well, the doctor said, um, you won't get over this. And, and what's interesting to me about that is the doctor really made a mistake that all, that scientists often make about science. Um, when a scientist or when a group of scientists come to a scientific conclusion, they do, you know, they create some sort of a test experiment and they have their control and then they do all their testing and they end up with a result that is statistically significantly improved over the original condition. Mm -hmm. And then the doctors being human beings, not just doctors, nurses, all kinds of practitioners take that and say, okay, now we know this works. And in the back of the doctor's mind, the doctor knows it works as an improvement in a certain percentage of cases. But like a normal human being, he or she can very easily say, ah, this always works. Mm, yeah. I mean, there were people, for instance, during the times of, of great plagues who survived plague. Right. There were people in the midst of dread disease outbreaks who survived dread disease and who contracted it and got over it. Now, were they the majority? Absolutely not. In many cases, you know, like with Black Plague, if you got Black Plague, you know, it was like 95% chance you were dying. But there was still the 5%. Right. You know? And, and my point is, we as human beings will tend to use our reason to take things to the extreme. So the doctor taking to the extreme, oh, no one ever gets over this. The, the, the person practicing law of attraction, oh, this never works. <laughs> so, the, right. the, per, the person who is, is uh, living in a comfort zone and doesn't want to climb out of this comfort zone, climbing out of your comfort zone is always painful. We, 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 we extremitize everything in this way. We do. That's and, true. And it's, remember, it's a good thing to remember that, you know, we don't have to make things extreme. We can say there are degrees, there are there, there are shifts. It, it isn't just all or nothing. It isn't black or white. There's grays. That's right. And that is why, like, the longer I live, the further away I get from believing anything. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, you know, I, I'm sure that there are many um, audios, videos, interviews, whatever, of me saying, I believe this and I believe that. And I'm sure I've told clients I believe this and I believe that. And these days I'm really getting to the point where I say, you know, I don't really believe anything, but I'm willing to entertain possibilities. Mm. Like, I'll entertain that possibility. Mm -hmm. Do I believe it? Eh. It's like, because it's a limitation. So here's the question then, because earlier you were telling the story about your nine or 10 year old self and how you just, you know, you, you just deeply believed that there was this growth happening. There was a shift. And then later on you told, or earlier, I guess you told a story about um, your older self who got the ear infection or, or, or whatever it was that you got this infection and the doctor said it won't go away right. and you decide it would go away and you deeply believe deep down was, that it would go I away. I was convinced is the word I think I used. Yeah. I you mean, say I, convinced you're right. So I that raises the question. What's the difference between the belief and the convinced? Is there a significant difference well, there? I, I can tell you that I believe I got healed because it's in the past. And mm -hmm. I can tell you that at the time I, I, I can say, I believe that I, w I was going to be well or that it mm -hmm. was a done deal. Right. But, it was my experience at that time. It wasn't a belief that's for everyone and that's some universal truth that everyone should have. Ah, okay. Something that I experienced. Um, I don't know that belief played into the experience I had when I was sitting on the sofa and I was expanding, but cert I certainly experienced it. I, I didn't have any idea what was happening. Mm -hmm. um, it scared me a little bit yeah. at some point when it kept going. And I finally said, I remember questioning whether it was, okay, mm. whether it was right, whether I should be doing this. Like, yeah. I just kind of like, con 
constricted myself back into my shell. You know, it's like, okay, I better, what'll happen if I keep expanding? <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. So, but when I talk about beliefs, I, I'm really talking about um, people, you know, people being hung up on believing a certain thing. And I can entertain the possibility that that's uh, true or truth mm -hmm. <laughs> or that it will come to pass or whatever, uh, but I don't have okay. to believe it. Um, but it's interesting because Neville's talking about that right here. He says, um, for thousands of years, man has been told, I am the resurrection and the life. No manifestation comes unto me, save I draw it. But man will not believe it. He prefers to believe in causes outside of himself. <laughs> so, right, so we're talking about a belief right here. And the belief is, do I create my own reality or do I not? Is there a cause outside of myself or is the cause within me? Um, I can entertain the possibility that it's in me. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. The moment that which was not seen becomes seen. Man is ready to explain the cause and purpose of his appearance. Thus, the son of man, the idea desiring manifestation. So now the son of man, he's not just saying it's an idea. It's not just consciousness. It's not just imagination. But it's an idea that wants to come forth. It's an idea mm. desiring manifestation. He says it's constantly being destroyed at the hands of reasonable explanation or wisdom at the hands of man. And I think that's what we were both just talking about is that's when it, you know, that's when you have the naysayers that tell you, you can't get well without this medicine. And then you do, and then they have to explain it away. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's what it is. Yeah. He says, now that your awareness is revealed to you as cause of all expression, do not return to the darkness of Egypt with its many gods. There is but one God. The one and only God is your awareness. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? So he's reading there from Daniel. And it's interesting because what he is saying again is that it, it, you know, he is equating us and our consciousness to being God. That, and I, I recognize that that's um, contrary to a lot of people's very strong belief systems. Mm. But this is what Neville says. So this is part of his belief system. Well, to be perfectly honest, it's contrary to what Christianity teaches the nature of God is. I mean, all this stuff is very contrary. Right, so right. It's a big shift. Right. So, and this is where... Um, it helps to be able to entertain a possibility. Yes. <laughs> you have, do you have to believe this? I don't think you have to believe it. Um, Neville believes it and I can entertain the possibility, but choosing beliefs sometimes is really tricky business for people. Mm -hmm. Right. It is. Uh, if the whole world should agree that a certain thing could not be expressed, and yet you became aware of being that which they had agreed could not be expressed, you would express it. This reminds me of the four-minute mile. <laughs> Your awareness never asks permission to express that which you are aware of being. It does so naturally and without effort, in spite of the wisdom of man and all opposition. Again, to go back to my story, uh, you know, of... of curing or being suddenly free of a sinus infection. Um, it didn't matter what anybody was saying. It just, it, it didn't ask permission. My consciousness, my body did not ask permission to be well. It just became well. Mm -hmm. Salute no man, by the way, he's, he's quoting from the Christian Bible and from um, what the Christians would refer to as the old Testament. Uh, salute no man by the way, carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. This is not a command to be insolent or unfriendly, but a reminder not to recognize a superior, not to see in anyone a barrier to your expression. That's what and, you just talked about. Right, right. And that's what's interesting, too, especially with this particular, you know, example that I've been using, is that a lot of people would see the doctor as being, you know, superior, and and therefore see a barrier to getting well because no the doctor said I couldn't 
But well, more importantly, like you said, just because you believe you have the experience doesn't mean everybody else has to believe it. The belief, yeah. the belief is up to each one of us and, and how much of this we actually take in and learn from and apply metaphorically in ourselves is up to each one of us. And I think that's what he really means when he says, um, where's it exactly? I lost the phrase. This is not a command to be insolent or unfriendly, but a reminder not to recognize a superior. In other words, don't give somebody else credit for all this great stuff. Don't treat Neville as the guru. Don't, yeah. don't, don't, don't treat anyone else as the guru. You're the guru. We are all the guru. Yeah, because look what he goes on to say. None can stay your hand or question your ability to express that which you are conscious of being. Yeah. No, you know, if if your consciousness is there, uh, nobody can really stop it. <laughs> right. Who would want to? Yeah. So do not judge after the appearances of a thing, for all are as nothing in the eyes of God. Um, when the disciples, through their judgment of appearances, saw the insane child, they thought it more difficult problem to solve than others that they had seen, and so they failed to achieve a cure. In judging after appearances, they forgot that all things were possible to God. Mm -hmm. Hypnotized as they were by the reality of appearances, they could not feel the naturalness of sanity. The only way for you to avoid such failures is to constantly bear in mind that your awareness is the Almighty the all-wise presence. Without help, this unknown presence within you effortlessly outpictures that which you are aware of being. Be perfectly indifferent to the evidence of the senses so that you may feel the naturalness of your desire and your desire will be realized. Turn from appearances. Feel the naturalness of that perfect perception within yourself, a quality never to be distrusted or doubted. It's understanding will never lead you astray. Your desire is the solution of your problem. As the desire is realized, the problem is dissolved. You cannot force anything outwardly by the mightiest effort of the will. There's only one way you can command the things you want, and that is by assuming the consciousness of the things desired. There's a vast difference between feeling a thing and merely knowing it intellectually. You must accept without reservation the fact that by possessing, feeling a thing in consciousness, you have commanded the reality that causes it to come into existence in concrete form. You must be absolutely convinced of an unbroken connection between the invisible reality and its visible manifestation. Your inner acceptance must become an intense, unalterable conviction, which transcends both reason and intellect. Renouncing entirely any belief in the reality of the externalization except as a reflection of an inner state of consciousness. When you really understand and believe these things, you will have built up so profound a certainty that nothing can shake you. Your desires are the invisible realities which respond only to the commands of God. God commands the invisible to appear by claiming himself to be the thing commanded. He made himself equal with God and found it not robbery to do the works of God. Now let this saying sink deep in your ear. Be conscious of being that which you want to appear. <laughs> yeah, and the last bit, uh, I don't know about it in the website, but in the last bit, it's all in caps here in the book. Yeah, here too. Is it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it's really great that he talks about here accepting without reservation the fact that by feeling a thing in consciousness, you've commanded the reality commanded the reality mm. and you know he talked earlier about when we have a desire that we should look at that desire as if it were spoken by the mouth of god mm -hmm. right yep so there's no difference not really no, no difference between like when the desire is the confirmation that the thing is the solution to the problem it's like a circle mm -hmm. i have a problem i have a contrast that's causing me to desire a reversal of that thing, the opposite of it. And that desire is telling me that my problem is solved. Yeah. If I will tap into the consciousness of being that thing already. Good stuff, huh? <laughs> Je Jeffrey made a uh, comment. It was kind of a funny that he made in the live stream. Jeffrey's in our live stream audience. But but it's also really true. He said, giving God a pep talk. And when you recognize that when what Neville refers to as God is our internal consciousness 
who we are inside. That's the God. Well, yeah, that is giving God a pep talk. Yeah, love it. <laughs> it really is. That's great. I love that. In fact, that's really what this section is. It's basically reminding ourselves, uh, like the quote said, for all are as nothing in the eyes of God. It, we're, we're the God. It's us. Yeah. We're in control, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's we a nice reaffirmation. Constant reminder. <laughs> yeah. And we all need it. At it's, least I it's need really it. True. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this has been great. I've been enjoying this very much. I know our audience has as well from all the comments that are in there. Thank you to our live stream audience, by the way, for, for sharing their stuff. Yes. Uh, that, just, that makes everything so much sweeter and so much more flavorful. Indeed. Um, I wanted to ask you to give everybody uh, a, an idea of how to reach Cindy Chavez, the life coach, because uh, you not only are you a Neville expert, but you're a darn good life coach. So how do they reach out to you? Thank you. They can reach out to me at my website, CindyChavez.com, C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z. I would love to uh, to hear from you. And if you're looking for some one-on-one coaching, send me a message and we'll have a conversation about it. Sounds great. Well, Neville Day has come to a close, but I look forward to doing it next week. We'll pick up uh, Chapter 24, Clairvoyance. That should be an interesting one. Excellent. Yeah, (laughs) should be good. So thank you to our live stream audience. Thank you to our podcast audience as well. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.